What's up, heroes? We've been on quite a roll with interviews for the last several months. Danny Felt, Sandra Bullitt, Zach Jablow, Approaching Nirvana, and I've got Haterade coming up next week. But I wanted to mix up the tempo a little and do a show just on Spotify because I recently took the Spotify Field Guide course from Indopreneur.io, and I wanted to share a couple of the most surprising things I learned, as well as the results from a couple of my own recent ad campaigns. But first, cue the intro music. I expected the Feel Guide course to start off with a pitch for why Spotify is the greatest music distribution platform ever, but Kyle Lemaire, who goes by Circa, didn't do that. In fact, he made three very profound points about really tempering your expectations for advertising to Spotify. First, Spotify doesn't have a great business model. They launched about 12 years ago, and they still struggle to make a profit. So going all in on a platform that may or may not be around a decade from now doesn't make much sense. Second, they're a black box, meaning they don't share much information with artists about fans' activities, such as where they came from or providing you metrics about what they do after they leave their platform. This makes it hard to make advertising decisions with the metrics provided by Spotify. Rip Kinney identified this problem back in episode 49. He's running Facebook ads to Spotify as well as organic Spotify ads at the same time, and when I asked him which one was working better, he had no idea because Spotify doesn't give you the data you need to tell. The numbers Spotify provided are often just vanity metrics. Contrast this with Facebook, where you can get a tremendous amount of information about your fans and what they're doing both on and off the platform. Finally, don't expect to make money trying to run ads to Spotify the payouts from Spotify streaming are just too low. So with those three things in mind, why didn't I just close my browser and call it quits there and move on to some other advertising campaign? Why waste my time? For me, it boiled down to three things. First, I told Sandra Bullitt, my singer and 50% owner on Hire, that I was going to run ads to Spotify and I needed to follow through on that. Second, it gave me some more experience using Facebook's ad manager. And finally, the vanity numbers. I wanted bigger numbers to show venues when I eventually start playing out later this year. That's why I set Spotify growth as one of my goals for 2021. The course went over every aspect of Spotify, from user profiles to merch to different types of playlists to how Spotify's algorithm works based on their ad agency's testing, as well as technical papers and presentations given by Spotify employees. Here are some of the most interesting things I learned. Not all streams are equal. You may already know that it takes a 30-second listen to count as a stream. What you may not know is that Spotify pays differently for that stream depending on which country it came from. That's because wealthier countries like the US, Canada, UK, Australia, and New Zealand have a higher number of paid users to free users. So one of the clever tricks Circa recommends is restricting your Spotify ad campaign to wealthier countries where the payouts are higher and you have the best bet of recouping your ad dollars. Now, if most of your fans are in, say, Zimbabwe, that may not make a lot of sense. Spotify ads are for free users pay out at 0.001 or 0.003 cents per stream, 
whereas wealthier countries, it can range from 0.004 to 0.006. That may not sound like a lot, but that's two to four times as much payout. And if you're talking about tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of streams, that can become really substantial. Another thing, when you're looking at your numbers in your Spotify for Artists dashboard, he encourages you to focus on the saves. This is the clearest signal to Spotify that someone likes your track. Ideally, you want half of your listeners to save your track, and you also want to see more streams than listeners, indicating that people have got your track on repeat. Interestingly, he doesn't recommend pre-save campaigns as worth the effort, and here's why. The people who are most likely to pre-save your track are your existing fans, and they're already going to receive an email on Friday that they've released a new track, and it's on their release radar playlist. Spotify is more interested and seems to prioritize saves from people that it recommended your track to, which is a stronger signal that the track is good. There are several things I'm already working on to grow my Spotify numbers. Releasing consistently is one. I released uh, higher on February 5th, and I have two tracks coming out in April and more in the pipeline. I'd love to get to the point where I'm releasing monthly. I'm also putting Canvas videos on all of my new tracks and working to add them to my back catalog. If you want to learn more about Canvas, check out episode 52. Additionally, Spotify offers you the ability to pitch your track to them a week ahead of the release. Ensuring you do that and that all your metadata is correct is really important. So how did my experiment go? I decided to try two different strategies, a direct-to-song ad campaign for seven days first, and then a direct-to-playlist the second time, both targeting the same Facebook audience and using exclusively Instagram stories as the placement, which is advertiser speak for where the ad is actually going to go. These were cold audiences, meaning that the people who saw the ad had probably never heard of me before. My target audience was Tiesto listeners, who also use Spotify, who like cosplay in wealthier countries. Tiesto's music catalog is diverse like mine, and I reason that cosplayers would be more interested in a costumed, heroically-themed ninja DJ. Overall, the two-week ad campaign gave me 92 streams, 40 listeners, 41 views on Canvas, and 24 saves. I also gained 27 likes on my Dance Music for Heroes playlist, which I'll link in the show notes. Hint, hint. I'm really happy with the ratio of listens to saves on higher. That's a strong indication people really enjoyed the track. I'm also pretty happy with the 24 subscribers to my playlist, which gives me a valuable digital property to advertise future tracks on. I'm not happy with my cost per click, especially with the direct-to-song. I spent about $70 total on the two ad campaigns. For direct-to-song, I had a ton of people swipe up on the ad, but they never listened to the track, according to Spotify. I suspect that's because they were not Spotify Premium listeners, and therefore they couldn't listen to the track directly, and so they just moved on. In contrast, for the direct-to-playlist, they were interested in general style and feel of the music, so having the playlist play at random was more effective in terms of follow-through after they swiped up. They were happy with what they were hearing. Because the direct-to-playlist worked better, and I've got several new tracks coming out in April, I'm actually continuing that ad campaign for the next 60 days at just a dollar a day. We'll see how that goes. And I'll have a link to the ad campaign in the show notes, so you can go check it out if you want to see what that looks like. Okay, to recap. One, don't put Spotify on a pedestal. They're still trying to figure this out, too. Two, Spotify is a black box, meaning they don't share much data with musicians. 
three, not all streams are equal, four, some numbers like saves are more important than others, and five, Spotify pre-save campaigns probably aren't worth the effort. These are just a few of the things I learned in the Spotify Field Guide course. If this was useful to you, Circa and the team over at Entrepreneur have a podcast called Creative Juice that's free and it's a great place to start with them. They also have 14 different individual courses. As an ad agency, they are very Facebook-centric, but their courses cover everything from selling tickets to email marketing to album launches to Spotify playlisting. They also have a flexible pricing model, which I appreciate. You can purchase only the course you want, or you can subscribe to their site for $37 a month and binge watch the courses as you see fit. Any course you purchase comes with their buddy system course, which explains their advertising and psychological framework that they use towards building fans. It basically boils down to treating people online like you would in person, building a relationship over time with them rather than trying to ram your music down their throats. Circa does a much better job explaining it in detail and then showing you how all of the courses fit within that framework. Whatever course you buy, definitely watch that one first. Finally, they also have a friendly, helpful, private Facebook community, which Circa is personally involved in. I opted for the $37 option and then did cancel after two months after watching several of their courses that I could apply immediately. However, I do plan to return for more content later this year when I've got a little more time to dedicate to their courseware. I'll have links for everything in the show notes over at producerlifepodcast.com. Look for episode 62. Oh, by the way, if you're listening to this the week of March 8th, I've got a live stream performance coming up at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday, March 11th. You can get links to details at houseninjamusic.com slash shows, and I hope to see you guys there. Until next week, this is the House Ninja reminding you to be somebody's hero today. Hey.